Yes, we're open. Living Faith with Needham UCC, a sermon podcast from the Congregational Church of Needham United Church of Christ, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you're invited and welcome. This sermon for Sunday, November 14th, 2021, is entitled Push. It's the eighth in a nine-part series reflecting on the gospel of Jesus Christ in light of Valerie Kaur's book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love. This sermon is a reflection in particular on a reading from the gospel according to Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to find out more about our open and affirming ministries at the Congregational Church of Needham, United Church of Christ, simply head over to our website, www.needhamucc.org. Thank you. Beloved, our scripture reading today comes from the New Testament, from the Gospels, from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Let's listen together for a living word from God for us in these words from Matthew. Jesus left that place and went away to the majority Gentile districts of Tyre and Sidon. Just then, a Canaanite woman from that region, a Gentile herself, came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, my Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, My Lord, help me. He answered, It's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. Friends, God is still speaking to the world and to us. May our hearts be open to listen and to respond. Amen. The deep metaphor that author and activist Valerie Kaur uses to talk about the end and the means of revolutionary love in her book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love, is that of childbirth. That is especially clear here in this last third of the book we're exploring now with its movements of breathe, push, and transition. All terms taken directly from the experience of childbirth. Bringing about revolutionary love in the world, she says, is like a kind of giving birth with all of the attendant mess and pain, and risk, and hope, and beauty 
of something new coming into the world. Of course, for Core, this is more than a metaphor. The political story of this book is bound up inextricably with her own personal story, her personal journey in her own body and mind as it encompasses episodes of, yes, sexual and physical trauma, issues of chronic pain and infertility, feelings of confusion and inadequacy, hopelessness and rage, and eventually her own experience of pregnancy and giving birth. I am acutely aware of my own distance from this experience. As a man and as a gay man to boot, many of you in this room stand far closer to these elements of the story and of life than I do. Dare I say perhaps roughly half of you, though it's never that neat, is it? The best I can say is that as a pastor, I have listened to women talk about their experiences, your experiences, with pregnancy and your hopes and your fears as best I could. That and, and here I am so aware of the absurdity of what I am about to say, but my partner David and I are nearly finished now with season nine of the British television series, Call the Midwife. I highly recommend it, especially to the men among us. If you're not familiar with Call the Midwife, the series follows a group of midwives, some of them nuns and some nurses and some both, serving the impoverished dockside community of Poplar in London of the 1950s and 60s. Now, it is very much a kitchen sink drama, a melodrama, even warm and frothy. But still, the emotions are real. As are too many of the painful situations and decisions the women in the show face, as women in real life face even now. And it has been an education for us watching nine seasons of this show that centers the experience of women so completely. Sadly, still a rarity on the television landscape. If there's anything we've learned and learned over and over and over again with this show, it's that childbirth is both messier and more beautiful than we could have imagined. And that as natural a process as this may be, for some bodies, still, it requires much more than simply the hot water and towels and a quick camera cutaway that so many other shows have prepared us to expect. To state the completely obvious, the reason it's called labor, this completely natural process is also a hell of a lot of work for all of those nine months, but especially there at the end. I think about my own grandmother in labor for 36 hours with my father in 1935 in rural Texas. And I don't have to wonder why my dad is an only child. 
this labor takes knowing when to breathe and what kind of breathing and when to push and just how to push. And though a midwife may help with her experience and expertise and simply by being a hand to hold through the long hours, still it's something the woman giving birth must do herself. Breathe and push, groan and scream, despair and hope, laugh and cry, breathe and push again and again until it's done. That's what Valerie Kaur is talking about in her own labor with her pregnancy and with her labor for revolutionary love. Last week, she led us to reflect on the importance of breathing, which can't be overestimated. We literally can't live without it, much less love. And yet so many folks, and some of us in this room, have felt the challenges of the world, all of the injustices and pain, large and small, personal and systemic, we've felt them squeezing us so tight, so breathless for so long, we think life is supposed to fit like a straitjacket but we need to breathe. We need to take time to step away and let our belly drop in an ungainly fashion and our lungs fill and our head clear and our heart expand. Such a regular practice of breathing, a Sabbath practice, not just once a week, but every day in some way enables us to reconnect with our roots, our gifts, and our goals. Who we are as beloved children of God and where we hope to go. Making time to step back gives us the space we need to be able to step up and do what needs to be done. Breathing allows us to rearrange ourselves in relationship to our labor, to rearrange ourselves under that weight that we carry for justice, peace, and compassion, for life, and for love, for others and ourselves. Breathing empowers us then to push. Valerie Kaur talks about her own experience this way. When I was finally ready to love myself, I had to learn how to breathe and push through my grief, grief, rage, and trauma. On the other side, I found what seemed utterly impossible before, healing, forgiveness, and even reconciliation. I think the Canaanite woman in our reading today from Matthew's gospel knows something of what Valerie Kaur is talking about too, both as a parent and just as a person. 
She feels so much standing between her and the future she hopes for herself and for her little girl, both of them suffering with a sickness of spirit, the daughter directly and her mother in her own agony for her. We don't know what combination of desperation and inner strength gave her what she needed to approach Jesus, this foreign healer whom she knew not at all, but only by reputation and rumor. What gave her the drive to step up and share her painful personal situation and ask for what she needed, but she did. Have mercy on me, my Lord. Son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. Nothing. Crickets. Jesus doesn't even deign to answer. Breathe. Push. Louder now. Have mercy on me, my Lord. I need your help. My daughter needs your help. This time, at least the disciples react, if only out of annoyance. They ask their master to turn the woman away. But again, Jesus doesn't talk to her, but says to them loud enough for her to overhear, I was sent to love only the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Unspoken, but clear and sharp as crystal, not to serve the likes of this Gentile outside the covenant of God's love. Stung, she steps back. Breathe. Push. She falls to the ground and grabs Jesus' knees in the ancient sign of supplication and looks up and with all the strength she can muster says simply, my Lord, help me. And this time he's so shocked he actually looks at her, looks down at her. But what he says hurts most of all. What father would take his own children's food off the table and give it to the dogs? <laughs> dogs like you. No one could miss his meaning here. And the word he's not using. Barely. She can't breathe. His words ring in her ears and wrap themselves around her chest and squeeze the life out of her, the life and what little hope she has left. Breathe, she tells herself. Breathe. But how can she? This is the way things have always been. There's never been any love lost between people like her and people like him. And then somehow, from somewhere deep inside, she manages to remember who she is and the love and life she needs and deserves and that her daughter needs and deserves. And with a gasp, 
her body opens, her belly drops, and her heart expands, and the breath just falls in and feel, fills her up. Breathe and push. She lifts her head and stares right back at him, steely-eyed, and says her voice, strong and shaking with holy rage for the sake of her own beloved, of course, my lord, still, even a dog gets to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, no? Unspoken, but loud as the blood pounding in her ears. My daughter and I aren't dogs. We deserve better. And we deserve better from you. By sheer force of will, she holds his gaze, forcing him to look at her and not look away to see her, really see her, not as he might have imagined her up to now as the systems of their shared society might have described her to him, prescribed her for him, small and insignificant and other and less than an enemy, this Gentile woman, but as she is a child of God, and beloved as well. And Jesus, even Jesus's heart in his understanding of the power and scope of his own good news grew three sizes that day. Because this woman was willing to breathe and push, breathe and push, willing to love herself and her daughter and lean into the awkwardness and discomfort and pain of the sharp points of this broken relationship and the broken systems that have brought these two people together, Jesus and the woman, while keeping them apart because she was willing to labor. And ultimately, because Jesus was willing to labor with her too to stay in the conversation, to be open to wondering even about this woman, to stay in it, to win it through his own discomfort from the other side, together they were able to bring something new into the world, a greater gospel, a wider love, a larger life than even Jesus had previously been able to imagine. Woman. Great is your faith. Large is your faith. And your strength. And your resilience. And your perseverance. Let it be done for you as you wish. As you need as you deserve. Come, 
let us labor together to reshape the world. Friends, if you have heard the gospel preached here today, remember to give all honor and glory to our one God, creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit. Amen.